Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Vocal Perspective. And we are welcoming back our next guest. When she was last on, we promised that when this album was ready, when her album came out, we would have her back so we could talk more about it. Ariel Arbiser, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you. And I know we talked about this last episode about how long and hard you've been working on this album. And now it is finally here. You're dropping singles here and there. And then the release is coming up. So let us know when we can hear everything. Let's start there. Yeah. So one single dropped almost two weeks ago, the title track of the album called Risk of Love. And the second single is dropping by the time this airs, it will have dropped. We could be. And there will be, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of singles. There will be a, a third single coming out the day of my album release show, which is when I'm uh, doing the like physical release of the album mm -hmm. in my community. And one more single will drop before the digital release in October. So a nice little rollout leading out, <laughs> leading up to the actual availability worldwide, which is That's exciting. amazing. But yeah. you are based in Ithaca. So is that where the uh, album release party will be? Yes. The album release party will be at the Ithaca Farmer's Market, which is like a classic uh, farmer's market. It's Everybody is very farmer's market focused here in Ithaca. I love that uh, farmer's market, though. Like I, when you posted the picture, I knew exactly where you were going. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I luckily had some pessimism about COVID, I guess is a nice way to put it. And even though events were happening all summer and like people were doing shows inside and stuff, and I was just like, I can't go full force planning an indoor show. If I'm going to do this release show, I got to make sure it's outside and hopefully with a cover overhead in case of rain, because in Ithaca, you really never know <laughs> what kind of weather you're going to get. <laughs> and it just, it all lined up. It felt like it was meant to be the sound guy I wanted to work with was available only that day. The farmer's market was available only that day. And here we are. It's almost only two weeks away. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I'm over here kind of geeking out that her song's on TikTok. It is, yes. And the second single will be on TikTok. I was actually yeah. just chatting. Because I, the whole time we were like, it's going to be out and it's going to be here or it's going to be on this date. And I am like kind of mom dumb or something right now. I need to know where is your music living? Because every time I click on SoundCloud, it's like, no, nope, not here. Yeah, that is a great question. I, I find SoundCloud has a wonderful way to be used, but it's not the most intuitive platform. Yeah, my music is available anywhere that you get your music, basically. The right. only thing that we're kind of waiting on is Bandcamp for like one of the singles. We're trying to release it there to give it a, a little more momentum on that platform specifically, but everywhere else, Apple um, Music, Tidal, Amazon, Spotify, TikTok, anywhere that you might be <laughs> wanting to use my music or enjoy it, you can find it. Awesome. And well, if you can't, you know, let me know so that I can make sure that it gets there. <laughs> I will find something really obscure so that... <laughs> and just let me tell you guys, this title track is hot. It's very awesome. And I would love to dig into this just a tiny bit being your title track risk of love. I mean, I think many of us can just look at our art as a risk of love. But where'd you draw your inspiration for this song? This song was one of the first ones that I wrote. It's actually co-written with Harry Nichols, who is, was one of the members of the Funks, a group that I'm a part of. And I started, I brought it to him to kind of collaborate on and finish it. And it came from originally my extended family does a biannual book club and 
This is a long story. Are you guys ready? <laughs> I'm um, ready? I am so ready. We do a biannual book club and it's like very contentious which book, you know, we read. And they finally one time picked a book I suggested, which it was a book I had read in like, I don't know, I was probably 11 or 12, but it was a very momentous book for me, which was interviews with different thought leaders around the world. It ended up in retrospect reading it in adulthood. It was not as mind blowing as I remembered it being, <laughs> though I think it was effective to read as a kid, you know, to be like, oh my God, people think so differently from the way that I think. And coming back to it as an adult, one quote really stuck out to me from, it just happened to be from one of the rabbis who was interviewed where he was talking about how no matter what, if you are choosing to be in love or like letting yourself fall in love, inevitably there's going to be heartbreak, right? Because whether you love each other for the rest of time, eventually someone's going to pass away or, you know, there's going to be betrayal of some kind or a breakup and sickness or who knows what's going to happen, but you are always going to be risking heartbreak and almost guaranteeing heartbreak. And it occurred to me in that moment that I had really never gone all in for that and allowed myself to be that vulnerable and that it was something I wanted to change about how I approached the world and my relationships. And I wanted to run that risk, run the risk of love. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> that wasn't um, long and that was fantastic. That was, right, I'm glad. That was a beautiful story. Yeah. I mean, just from the family aspect of it. And as you talk about creating your music, I always feel this family aspect. I mean, you remember you're talking about being with, uh, you know, writing with a, a person that you've been in a group with. And it's just everything about acapella reminds me of family. And I think it's just really cool that this even extended into your story of your book club. I don't know if my family could do a book club. <laughs> my you family know, definitely it, could not do a book club. Yeah, barely, <laughs> right there. We Pleasant. barely can watch a TV show. Like we can yeah. barely watch the same series yeah. and have a conversation about it. So, it usually turns out everyone hating on whatever book we finally managed to agree on or vote like barely. It's like a book critique voted. club. Exactly. Yeah. But it's always interesting, you know, to like see what people suggest and see what everybody's thinking about it. But yeah, I would say that that acapella family vibe continued throughout the whole album where I was moving from, you know, this genre that I've been in for close to a decade and really all of my musical connections that were significant, I felt like were really based in that world. And I was moving into the instrumental world where I well, felt well, very well, afloat. Well, yeah, and, and to kind of tether myself, I really put together and wonderfully people were willing to work with me on this kind of different style of music production team from mainly from the acapella world. I was working with Brie Holland and Dave Sprandio and Ed Boyer and uh, Tim Bongiovanni. And it was just great. And mixing them with kind of the new musicians I had found to work with was an interesting experience. Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit because there is a little bit of acapella influence on this album with the production for and sure. with some of the tracks. So I know I have my reasons for wanting to work with acapella people even when it's not acapella, but I want to get your take well. on how it was beneficial to work with all of these acapella luminaries on an album yeah. that wasn't necessarily acapella. Yeah. First of all, Brie is, I know I raved about her last time. I'm going <laughs> to rave about her again. She is brilliant. And I strongly feel we've done a couple of different projects together and are good friends. And I strongly feel like I am at my best when I'm working with Brie. She brings out my best voice, my best ideas. You know, we just bounce well off of each other. So she was a given from the beginning. And really, I ended up feeling so overwhelmed with choices and decisions that I just kind of on a 
whim reached out to Ed Boyer to be like, hey, is there any chance you would be willing to consider working on these mixes, you know? <laughs> and this was years ago. I actually recorded the album over three years ago and then took a big break and it was partially mixed back then. And at the time, my recollection, I could be a little fuzzy on this, but my recollection is that he felt like, you know, he was getting his feet wet in the instrumental world. So he was willing to give it a try with me and my first album and kind of like be the bridge to help me get between one to the other. And Dave Sprandio is the only mastering engineer I've really worked with and we just had a great relationship. And he actually knew the song Risk of Love from a Frisky Business project because I don't know, the duo that I was in in the acapella world that released a small number of songs we released that song actually a few years back but it still feels like a new song because it's pretty different from the original I bet version. I'm like wow <laughs> she already has her first song like single but she it's already a remix like it's <laughs> <laughs> she's just hitting it all so let's dig in a little bit more to into your process because acapella people for the most part it's like oh pick a song hopefully <laughs> pick your song based on like the soloists that you have and then you arrange people are it getting upset that we keep saying acapella people <laughs> no <laughs> like, should we say aca aca those acapella, acapella persons people. <laughs> no. i'm glad you all know them better so you know we'll they're fine we'll keep calling them people I mean, we jokingly refer to ourselves as a cult, so it's fine. Acapella people. <laughs> but when in the world that we come from, most people are like, okay, pick someone else's song. Hopefully, if you're not out there picking it for the soloist you already have, just start doing that. Thank you. And then you arrange the song. But your process is clearly going to be different. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was my process for a very long time, to be honest, except for picking a song before having a soloist in the cordial <laughs> in college. I was like, we've got to start auditioning these solos before we arrange the songs because we are shooting ourselves in the foot. <laughs> but yeah, I think for a long time, I decided I wanted to do music as like a real life choice and wasn't ready to think of myself as a songwriter, you know, or really like put myself out there like that. I remember when I was growing up, I, I have this very vivid memory of being on my top bunk in my bunk bed and like writing out a poem or some lyrics and being like, that's terrible. I'm going to leave the songwriting to the songwriters. And I like never looked back <laughs> at songwriting until I was like 24 or 25. So um, many people do that though. Like yeah, they're absolutely. like, I wrote something and it's terrible. So clearly I should never do it again. Yeah. I was like eight years old and I decided that I like should never attempt songwriting for the rest of my life. And so for the first few years in acapella, I definitely like kept that idea. And I was like, oh, I can still like be a Michael Bublé you know, like successful singer without really putting out much original material or whatever. And eventually I got enough encouragement and felt like I had enough life experiences that I needed to get some ideas out there for myself and went to the next level songwriting seminar, mm -hmm. the vocal company, which no longer exists, I don't think, and wrote two of the songs that are on the album I wrote at that workshop. And those were like the first two full songs I ever wrote. And the response that I got was like surprisingly positive. And I was just like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can do this. And, <laughs> and I just kind of kept going and, and really, I don't have a strong theory background and I don't really play any instruments super well. So that also gave me a lot of insecurities. And I think at this point, I feel pretty confident that everybody has a different skill set and you don't have to be able to do all of the things to create art. Right. I think all of my songs benefited so greatly by collaborating with other people to come up with the full arrangements. You know, I had like an idea of the arrangement in my head, but needed to like 
have someone help me get that on paper and like hear the chords and find the right chords. And it really all came to life in such a beautiful way that I'm I'm kind of excited to, not that I never want to become really proficient on an instrument, but I I really find that that process works really well for me and only elevates things. Right. And it's not like you're saying, I don't care about the other instruments, but what it's more like expecting people to show up and know their part and do their part and not expect you to know their part and to know the other person's part. And, you know, it's similar in any group I'm in a band as well and it is so much more rewarding and you get so much of a better result when each person is has their expertise yeah being an expert it's almost it's always better when you can just come in and trust that you know what I picked the best piano player and I'm going to trust what that person is doing and I don't need to micromanage a piano player or tell them what I need them to do they need to just do what they do yeah, for one or two of the songs on the album, the way that it worked, I found there was a guitarist who I worked with who I really loved and thought was extremely capable and talented. And we kind of worked together to flesh out the arrangements. And then I asked him to choose. I had done like demos in the past where I like handpicked each instrumentalist and they felt a little, you know, it was nice to hear my music come to life, but it felt a little disjointed because people didn't have, you know, chemistry right. with each other and we had a brief amount of time together. And so this time I worked with him and then said, you know, can you find the players that you feel like you already have a rapport with that you guys can get into a room and in two rehearsals, we can have an album ready to go. And it worked so well. And on a couple of the songs, I like the way that I saw the arrangement in my head. I tried to describe to them visually, you know, where I was like, this song starts like dark and there's like no light. And then as the song continues, like light starts like streaming in. And then at the end, it's just like sparkly light everywhere. And it's like moving and, you know, it's like really brilliant and energetic. And however that translate on your instrument, that's what I want to hear. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. That is (laughs) so cool. <laughs> People don't think outside of they think outside. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say this opposite. People think outside of the box too much, trying to think about how to talk to everybody else. If you just explain it the way it resonates to you, and the way you just explained it may not be what I would have done, but I understood everything you were saying, and I, as a musician, could be like, "All right, let's do this." And I think it's just really important that we just know that you were talking from you and you were not trying to micromanage or tell anybody what to do. You were just like, this is how I see it. And I think if we got into a habit of communicating more like that as musicians, we'd get a lot farther. And I think the trust that Amanda was hitting on is so huge. If you've got to trust, I mean, there was a big risk of love, a big leap of faith that you had to take (laughs) with many musicians, but I get no sense that you had any worry because you trusted the musicians that were behind you or with you yeah it was a pretty special experience now let's take a listen to Mm -hmm. the title track from risk of love here is risk of love every night i go out to the train Pity crime when you're giving me the time 
Well, and jumping off of that, I know that your writing and your music can be pretty vulnerable. And I like that you're starting at this trust with your musicians. But what is that like? I know I've got journals full of like, oh, this would be good lyrics. But I'm like, I could never sing this because then somebody would know how I actually feel about know my secrets. <laughs> my inner so how do you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm just gonna lay it all out for you. That's like what excites me, honestly. I mean, I just feel like I tend to think of myself as an open book anyway. I, you know, I don't necessarily share voluntarily, but if somebody asks me a question, I will tell them every detail of anything that they want to know, <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes. But looking back at this album, I think that I'm trying to remember exactly how I described it at one point a couple months ago. I think it was something to the extent of like it's intimate moments made public. And I feel like that's that feels good to me to like let people in on that experience. And it also has had this incredible, powerful, cathartic outcome for me. I was me wondering where, if you were going to go there. Like I yeah. imagine it's almost like peeling layers of just shedding weight of things. I mean, exactly. It was shedding if something you need to get yeah. out. Holding yeah. it in can be heavier <laughs> than, you know. Yeah. yeah. When I recorded it three years ago, I did one big live show and a couple of other little gigs of the album. And, and I just remember I was so anxious to like let people hear all of that. And it was like the first time I was going to be like billed as Ariel Arbiter instead of like a band, you know, and, and so many people I loved were there. It was a huge show. I was opening for like a really popular band in town and my parents came up for it. And there were just all of these things that like, I don't really share openly with people about that. I don't put that on the table, you know, right. to start the conversation. And it just felt like, okay, now everybody sees where I'm at and where I've been. And that stuff doesn't hurt so much anymore. Like a lot of the songs were written about like pretty dark places that I've been. And it just felt like, great, now I can like kind of close that chapter and start the next one. And I know that September 17th, my album release here is going to be another experience of that because it's just been so long that I've been waiting to re-up on this album and really let it out into the world. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh my I'm gosh. i with tissues. The bravery though, like when you're like, my parents were here and I'm like, that is probably the hardest. It's always been, you know, when you grow up and your parents are like, sing for our guests. And you're like, no, there are three of you on the couch. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and then to add to that, like, okay, and here's all of my feelings too. And I'm like looking at my parents. So kudos to you for being able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Back to the yes. book club. I mean, she's got the right kind of people in her corner. There, It sounds wonderful. And it sounds yeah, just perfect for this album release. Yeah. So where are you going from here? I mean, last time we were like, okay, we're building up to this album release. <sighs> yeah. Where do you uh, want to go next? I know it's like, well, you know, please enjoy this moment. But I, I know you're already thinking about what's next. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the physical album comes out in Ithaca September 17th. The digital release will be October 15th. And so there's some moments, some stuff to happen leading up to the digital release still in the works. And, you know, after that, it's, it's tough because it's obviously COVID dependent. You know, we'll see what happens in the next months or years <laughs> with COVID. These let it be months. Um, I know. But I've had for a long time, I've had a vision of like how I want to tour a little bit with the album and likely do that in at least some specific cities where I have like a big base of people from family and friends to acapella people where I've performed a lot. Acapella persons. Is that what we're going? <laughs> uh, I cannot believe I opened up that can of worms. Mm. The one newbie non-really, I'm kind of a poser. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of 
a poser in the acapella world. And I think my plan is to hire, uh, not, not hire, work with, I mean, certainly I would pay him, but the guitarist who played on my album, who's a lovely friend of mine, and travel with him to different cities and either hire players there or like work with a, an existing band to learn my stuff and do the show. And he would be kind of like the music director of it so that ideas can get translated quickly and everybody can be on the same page about everything. And I can be traveling with a buddy and have that experience shared with someone. And Leesburg, Virginia on your list. I got some places. I got a good, I got a oh, venue. Okay. Great. <laughs> on it. Yeah, definitely. Is that near DC? Amanda? Yeah. 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 yeah, I've performed in the DC area a few times and I, I feel like I would have a, a nice space at least to come out there. So that's we would be really loud right in the front row with our seven masks on. You have to do that. I hope I can't wait to see that happen. So we talked a little bit about where you're releasing, but let's give some specifics so people can go right to your website so they can follow. And hopefully as tours become a little bit more feasible, they'll be able to find you on the road. Yeah. So my website is just arielarbiser.com and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash arielarbiser. And on like pretty much every social media at arielarbiser, except for TikTok, which is Ariel. R, letter R, bis, B-I-S-S. I should probably <laughs> update that, but that's what it is right now. I don't even know what my TikTok account is because I post nothing. I just watch silly videos with my kid because, nice. yes, well, that's what happens when you're an elder millennial. <laughs> it's a gateway. You watch them with your kids and then I see these moms that ma- and then the lights yeah, go I down. magically see like the kids go to school and these moms are all like posting them doing the dances and stuff. And they're all like together Aww, celebrating so their coffee cute. with their kids in the schools. And- all right. So we've talked a little bit about involving instruments, but you are not taking a complete departure from acapella. So you've got some stuff going on there with one of my favorite bands, the Funks. So can you can we talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Funks is a group of four guys and myself and I- it has been a little bit defunct for a while. It's so funny. I'm <laughs> glad both of you laughed so hard at that joke. And it just, I was like, <laughs> no, it's okay. it wasn't a good joke. And we were in the process before we took a big break. We were in the process also of making an all originals album. And we have clicked back in. We're hoping to get it out late fall or early winter. And that album is going to have, I think, four of the songs off my album on it, which is pretty cool. So altogether, over half of my album will have been acapella-fied, which is kind of fun. They're oh my gosh, all, you're you know, covering your own album in acapella. I love it. Yeah, they're like <laughs> okay, all so slightly She has an and, original, like, she now has a remix, and she has an acapella cover all at one time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's Badass so nice, you know, acapella has been such a big part of my existence that it, it feels like really special to still have that moment happening. And yeah, and I'm really excited to hear how that turns out too. I am too. Me too. I'll be waiting. So as we leave you, we're going to play We Could Be by Ariel Arbisser. Enjoy. And we will see you next Tuesday.
Cause you can't 